Oh, you can play in fighting hunger. Okay, we got you, kid. Ready? Hi, I'm Abby Hoffman. On the run, just listening to WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I know To stay away What's that? Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe That means I have half a mind to stay it's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening. This is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food. Just keep saying to yourself, it's a show about food. It's a show about food. Just keep saying that to yourself. That'll explain a lot for the next half hour. Now, we should start out, first of all, with some Cockney slang updates, some Cockney slang news. Late, later, we're going to talk about cha-cha and cha-cha-cha. Not chai so much as cha-cha and cha-cha-cha. The difference between cha-cha-cha and cha, which isn't just cha, again, not chai. But first of all, Cockney slang. Now, this is in the Associated Press. London ATM, that's an ATM in London, is using Cockney slang. In fact, you walk up to the computer screen... And you have a choice of English or Cockney. Over the next three months, a cluster of East London ATMs will be offering customers the chance to withdraw cash using written prompts in Cockney rhyming slang, the area's colorful and often impenetrable dialect. ATMs run by a company called Bank Machine, oh, that's a great name, offer a language option allowing customers to enter their Huckleberry Finn instead of their PIN and rather worryingly informs them that the machine is reading their bladder of lard at a prompt about examining their card. The origins of Cockney rhyming slang are obscure. It's thought to have been used by market traders who needed a way of communicating without tipping off their customers. It works by repla- listen carefully. It works by replacing a word with a short rhyming phrase. For example, money becomes bread and honey. And then you just lop off the end of it, it just becomes bread. So bread means money. Hmm, bread means money. That's another thing we're going to have to talk about later today, because there are several different origins of using bread for money. Similarly, head becomes loaf of bread, and then just simply loaf. Few actually use the slang with any regularity now, although most Britons know a few common phrases, such as trouble and strife for wife and apples and pears for stairs. Gabrielle Alexander, who made a withdrawal from an ATM near Spitalfields Market, or perhaps Spitalfields Market, I'd, I'd like to go to a Spitalfields Market, but that's another show for another time. She said the stunt was fun, but she added that withdrawing sausage and mash, or cash, made her feel a little uneasy. However, Stanley Wright, a 32-year-old charity worker, attempted to withdraw money from the ATM, but visibly tensed up when she realized the machine was talking to her in Cockney slang. She immediately canceled the transaction and ripped the card out of the machine. It looks like someone's been messing with it, she said. Isn't that a shame in this day and age that if somebody talks to you in Cockney slang, well, if they speak to you in person, it's fine, but if a machine speaks to you in Cockney slang... Ooh, sounds like a hacker. I wonder how you say hacker in Cockney slang. But in the meantime, this will help you understand 
everything that we've been saying so far today in these few three minutes here. There is, if you look up the phrase, London ATM uses uses Cockney slang, a very nice photograph of an image of a screen saying, Reading your bladder of lard, please wait. That's reading, R-E-A-D-I-N apostrophe, reading your bladder of lard, please wait. Usually I'd prefer a specialist to do that, but nonetheless, you can walk up to an ATM in London and do that yourself. How about Cockney slang with a little bit of Jamaican patois? What do you think? 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It's ice, my culture with the mic in on me, Hannah. Me come to teach you right, Hannah. Not the wrong end of the Cockney translation. Cockney is not a language, it is only a slang And was originated, yeah, so in England The first place it was used was over East London It was respect for the different style pronunciation But it wasn't really used by any and any man This is strictly con man, also David Land But you may pull up of lyrics and education Right, you know, you all go get a liquor translation Cockney have names like Terry Arthur and Del Boy We have names like Winston, Lloyd and Leroy We ball out, yo, why? Cockney say, oi, what Cockney call a jacks, we call a blue boy. Say Cockney have mates while we have spar. Say Cockney live in a drum while we live in a yard. Say we get yam while Cockney get captured. Say Cockney say, Gabna, we say big boat, yeah. In all the Cockney translation, in all the Cockney translation. Well, watch a man, the translation of Cockney to understand is easier. So long as you don't deaf and you listen me keenly, you should pick it up like a you to find some money. Go tell it to your friends, also your family. No matter if I English or a yardie, cause you never know when they might buck up a cockney. Remember one them, 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 and them down easy. Them no fire slingshot, and me say strictly double B. Them run protection racket and control no CID. Say cockney fire, shoot, ah, we bust one. Say cockney sight, tea leaf, we just a sticks, man. You know them have wedge while we have con. Say cockney sight, big first, my son, we just say one. Say cockney sight, grass, we say old farmer, man. When them talk about iron, them really mean Batman. Rookin' and Chaparita, me say Cockney called Tom. Say Cockney say Albeo, we say Dutty Babylon. In a the Cockney translation, in a the Cockney translation. Well, watch a man, Slambama, Jamana. Hear them fashion, smiley, culture, origination. But first, let me tell you more about the Cockney. Who live comfortably and have them yacht by the sea. And when it come to money, most of them are plenty. But where them spend it? In the bookie, lose it all on the dogs or on the GGs Or paying off for them bribes to the Sweeney So them not gonna do no time for no arm robbery Or catching anything that fell off the back of a lorry Slambama, Jamana, hear them a fashana Me stronger, me longer, me at the mic sana More time in a dance, me chat, panasone But sometimes me shake out and leave me hometown And that's when me travel at East London Where I have to speak as a different man So that the cockney can understand So black man and white man, hear them fashion Cockney says scare we scatter, cut me say rabbit, we chatter, we say bleach, cut me knock, cut me say terrific, we say waka. Cut me say blouts, we say guys, cut me say all right, we say ice, we say pants, cut me say straw and sweet as a nut. Just level vibes, sin. Okay, how much of that did you catch? Pull out your scores. We'll check those at the end of the class. I got Cockney say blokes, we say guys. I got that much. The other three minutes, I'm not so sure, but that was Cockney Translation, and that was by Smiley Culture, which is probably one of the best names anybody's ever given to themselves in history. That is from a a various artist's collection called 
a fashion statement. It's a collection of songs from the Fashion Records label, and it's available on Ross Records, R-A-S. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's a show about food. And before we move on from the Cockney translations and the Cockney ATMs and the bladders of lard and things like that, I do want to go back to this book I brought in yet the other day on this show called Castle's Rhyming Slang. On the cover is a very beguiling image, and I want to read it to you very mysteriously now. A naked bottle and glass appeared on the custard and jelly that sat on the Betty Grable in the corner of the room. She watched it through half-closed mince pies as she talked on the dog and bone. Her bacon and eggs were tired, her union jack ached, and her German bands were numbed by the tatters in the mold left let in by a pair of flimsy Richard Burtons. Those flimsy Richard Burtons taters in the mold. See, okay, does that explain it? Because I, I think that's all clear now. I will tell you a few things I can figure out from this mysterious photo. It's not a photo. It's not an actual photo. But uh, she washed it through half-closed mince pies, which would be eyes, as she talked on the dog and bone, which is a telephone. So on this actual illustration on the cover of the book, she has mince pies for eyes, which I must say look very fetching, and the dog and bone is sitting on her ear because that is, in fact, a phone. It all makes perfect sense. Except for the parts that don't. So, on Pandora's Lunchbox, I want to talk to you about the difference between cha-cha and cha-cha-cha. Got it? Okay. I was at the Ypsilanti Farmer's Market not long ago, a few weeks ago, and there was a nice little table where a couple of ladies were selling some delicious stuff in in some of those delicious uh, bell jar type deals. And they had this wonderful cobbler, I believe it was a blueberry cobbler, but what caught my eye is something I couldn't quite identify. And she said, that's a cha-cha. That's a cha-cha. What's a cha-cha? I don't know what a cha-cha is. What's in it? And she talked about the ingredients, some zucchini and some onion and some carrot and some red bell pepper and some cucumber and and some wonderful spices like nutmeg. And, well, it looks kind of like a relish, but it's it's a little, um, it's, it's a fa- is it a fancy relish? Is it somewhere between a relish and... And a salsa? I don't know, but I got some. It's it's lovely, and it's called cha-cha. It's a southern specialty. And I'm going to go to a website here, Florence florenceshomestyle.com. And beg pardon, because that apparently is a brand, but their description gives you an idea of what cha-cha is all about. It's a sweet and spicy, vegetable-based flavor enhancer that may be used as a condiment, ingredient, dipping sauce, or marinade. It was traditionally used in southern cuisine cooking to enhance the flavor of cooked vegetables, meats, and seafoods. Our cha-cha recipe, passed down through our family for generations, is a versatile blend of garden-fresh green tomatoes, peppers, vegetables, and savory spices. Cha-cha may also be used to, as an ingredient to enhance the flavor of salads and sauces. That, in fact, is cha-cha. But is it really the only possible cha-cha? That is the question. Let me first say an example of some of the items that it can be used with. It can be used as a condiment to add vigor to cooked vegetables. And we all want to add vigor to cooked vegetables, including greens, spinach, collards, cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli, carrots, purple hull. Purple hull, I love this. Black-eyed and green peas, pinto and great northern beans. 
as a condiment adding zest to meats, such as beef, fish, poultry, hot dogs, and hamburgers. You can also add it to salads and other entrees, including fajitas, burritos, omelets, and crepes, corn casseroles, and egg rolls. And for dipping, for things like chicken wings, chicken tenders, tortilla chips, and kebabs. All of these things are possible with the amazing cha-cha. This is all true. And Pandora's Lunchbox wants you to know all about that. We're going to talk about some other kinds of cha-cha in a moment. The moment has passed. Here it is, other kinds of cha-cha. I found, looking up cha-cha on the web, a Hungarian cha-cha recipe. That isn't what I expected, but nevertheless, I did find one. There's a website called grouprecipes.com, and a woman here who calls herself, calls herself Paprika Mama, which is, again, a wonderful name. It's even better than smiley culture, in fact. Paprika Mama says here, This pickling has been in my family for a while, and it's so refreshing to have as a side to your dinners, especially if you like pickles and such. This has a little of almost everything. So in her recipe for Hungarian cha-cha, it includes yellow bell peppers, cucumbers, onions, cauliflower, cabbage, vinegar, sugar, salt, and it says you can use any vegetable you want. Green tomatoes work well, too, and okra whole and pierced a Hungarian cha-cha recipe, and how about a Vietnamese bobo cha-cha recipe? This is from Vietnamese-recipes.com. Why not? Sweet potatoes, tapioca, water, screw pine leaves. Oh, I I love describing things I don't know because I want to eat them. Screw pine leaves, split green beans, ground nuts, other peanuts, sago soaked for 10 minutes, a wood ear fungus, Sugar, coconut milk, and vanilla powder. And this is a recipe. These are the ingredients, in fact, for Vietnamese bobo cha-cha. And that is on the web at vietnamese.recipes.com. So what's the difference between cha-cha and cha-cha-cha? Well, if you say the difference is one cha, you're not working hard enough. But that's something that I can relate to. Nonetheless, here's some cha-cha-cha in the form of a cha-cha-cha. It's called Elbow de Guero, or Elbow de Guero, I apologize for my Spanish. Orquesta Aragon is the group from Cuba. And I attempted to translate some of the lyrics, and I did find out that Elbow de Guero is the owner of a wine cellar or a winemaker. The winemaker is dancing in this song. He's dancing in the warehouse among the frijoles. Is he dancing with you, perhaps? My ability to translate didn't go that far, but perhaps you should use your imagination and find out for yourself. This is a wonderful cha-cha-cha, and I can't help but think to myself that about 10 years later, Paul McCartney must have been listening and saying, I can kind of adapt this to a pop tune. Yeah, this is melodic enough that it could be a pop tune. That's just my personal impression, but on with the show. This is it.
was wonderful. That was Orchestra Aragon, and that was El Bodeguero, who, which is a, an owner of a wine cellar, perhaps a winemaker, singing at the end quite a lot about chocolata, which makes me very happy. Also references to frijoles, and just all of that makes me happy. That was an example of cha-cha-cha. We heard about cha-cha before, which you could call a condiment, a flavor enhancer, it's of southern origin, or Hungarian, or Vietnamese, depending on all the information I have here. It's quite something. Cha-cha is everywhere, and so is cha-cha-cha. And according to Wikipedia, the music cha-cha-cha, which you just heard right there, is unusual as a dance music genre in that its creation can be attributed to a single composer named Enrique Horin. You can read all about that on Wikipedia. And... I got a call about uh, an, um, an ingredient that I mentioned just a moment ago, which was very intriguing. Thank you so much for calling about that. In the Vietnamese version of the cha-cha, which they call the Vietnamese bobo cha-cha, they talked about screw pine leaves. That's S-C-R-E-W, screw pine leaves. If you want to see a screw pine, I've been told by this caller, you could actually go to the Belle Isle Conservatory on beautiful Belle Isle in Detroit. You can see a screw pine, as a matter of fact. You can do that. And you can look on the web for information about Bell. that's B-E-L-L-E, Isle, I-S-L-E, is that too obvious? Belle Isle Conservatory. And you can see yourself, you can see yourself looking at a screw pine. Coming up in about 10 minutes, it's going to be time for Arwolf to help us to face the music. In the meantime, it's cha-cha, it's cha-cha-cha, and as I mentioned earlier, it's not chai so much as cha-cha and cha-cha-cha. By the way, cha-cha-cha may also refer to several other things. One example of what it can refer to is 
the activist part of the independence movement in northern Rhodesia, now the country of Zambia. It is an onomatopoeic term referring to the sound of burning. Cha-cha-cha. Try to imagine that. Cha-cha-cha. Is that the sound of leaves rustling when they're burning? I think, I think it very well may be. Cha-cha-cha can also be... No, no, cha-cha. See, once again, we're back to cha-cha. Now, cha-cha can also be an alcoholic drink. This is correct. It is traditionally, according to Wikipedia, a Georgian drink from the Republic of Georgia, traditionally a clear fruit homebrew, which is sometimes called vine vodka, grape vodka, or Georgian vodka. Chacha is made from grape residue left after making wine. It can also be produced from non-ripe or non-cultured grapes, and in some cases, figs, tangerines, oranges, or mulberries. Since Georgia is widely regarded as the birthplace of the cultivated grape more than 8,000 years ago, chacha is likely one of the oldest distilled products in the world, though such technology as needed for pot stills would date little more than 1,000 years ago. The term cha-cha is used in Georgia to refer to any type of moonshine made of fruits, though it most commonly refers to the distillation from grapes. Many people in the Republic of Georgia claim that cha-cha has medicinal properties and is suggested as a remedy for a number of ailments, including ear blockages and indigestion. So that, again, gives you a sense of why we have cha-cha, cha-cha-cha, and again, not chai. But moving right along, we talked earlier about rhyming slang. This is kind of a left field turn here. Here we go. We were talking about rhyming slang in the Cockney dialect and how bread and honey rhymes with money. So bread means money. So is that the origin of the term bread for money? Well, there is an alternative point of view, which I recently heard, because tenor saxophonist Lester Young was born 100 years ago today. And he was a man who came up with all kinds of his own expressions, one of which is bread for money. You dig. He's attributed to that. He's attributed to say, that's cool. And also a saying, I feel a draft, which is his code for prejudice and hostility in the air. Lester Young, by the way, wore sunglasses in nightclubs, sported a crushed black pork pie hat, and tilted his saxophone at a high angle because he wanted to. And that's all good. Now, what about cha-cha, and what about something else that is a repeated, repeated phrase, phrase? Well, well, let's think, think about that, that now. Louis Louis, Louis Louie. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a whole book called Louis Louis by Dave Marsh. He's been a rock critic. He's also written books. He's written a book called Louis Louis, which covers the history of Louis Louis, in fact. And I'm going to read a little bit of this because there's a connection between this and what we've been talking about. Richard Berry sat in the cramped, muggy dressing room of the barn-like dance hall in 1956. This is in the Harmony Park Ballroom in Anaheim, California. The 1,200-capacity ballroom was packed with local lowriders for the regular Sunday night gig of the Rhythm Rockers, a 10-piece band led by Bobby and Barry Rilera, Filipino-American brothers from Orange County. As the group's featured singer, Richard sat out the first part of the set while the band got the energy going with instrumentals. They would feature me doing the rock and roll, rhythm and blues songs, he said. My songs, a couple of other people's stuff. I did two shows a night and bam, I'd be gone. All that came through the dressing room door was a steady rhythmic thump. Yet early in this night's set, a beat pulsing through the walls made Richard sit up hot-wired. Da-da-da, da-da, it said. Barry heard it and he knew. Humming that riff while the song resolved into a standard cha-cha, he applied a pencil to the only paper at hand, a bag crumpled up on the floor, 
and scribbled a few lines, the outline of a lyric. Although he was only 21 years old, Richard Berry would already had already become a street-smart L.A. record hustler, the studio rat who seemed born to stay up all night, singing into a mic for pleasure and profit. Barry possessed the studio hustler's arsenal of skills, including singing, piano playing, arranging, band leading, and potentially the most profitable of all, songwriting. He was moderately good-looking and knew something about style, wearing his hair waved with the front swept into a pompadour. On stage, Barry asked the Rilellas to name that tune... The one with that great bass and piano intro, he said. The Rileras rattled off titles. You know, Richard finally said, the one that goes da-da-da-da-da. Oh, that, the Rileras immediately told him. That was El Loco Chacha. Great, huh? Yeah, who's it by? Rene Touzay. So there it is. El Loco Chacha gives birth to a song that went a little something like this. And this is Richard Berry, the original writer of this song, re-recording it in the 1980s, similar to the original recording. Someday we'll get a hold of the actual 50s recording, but here's him doing it later. That's Richard Berry and Louie Louie. Not the original recording of the song, but the original artist who wrote it. And that was on a collection called The Best of Louie Louie, because why wouldn't there be a collection of all different versions of Louie Louie on the Rhino Records label, back when they were even weirder than they pretty much are now. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. Arwolf is here to help you face the music. He'll be able to do that in just a few minutes. But here's another use for possible condiments. Just the other day, I believe it was yesterday, there was an annual tomato fight. It happens every year in Bunal, Spain. It says here... 
Tens of thousands of revelers pelted each other with tons of ripe tomatoes in a good-natured battle that filled the streets of this Spanish town with rivers of red pulp. Bunol's town hall estimated more than 40,000 people, some from as far away as Japan and Australia, took up arms yesterday, yes, yesterday, with 100 tons of tomatoes in the yearly food fight known as the Tomatina. The event has its roots in a food fight between childhood friends and has become something of a calling card for Bunol. The hour-long battle is so popular that traffic in the town backed up nearly two miles yesterday morning. That's the way we all should be living our lives right now. Covered with tomatoes. Green, red, whatever it takes. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike. Sorry about that. No, that's actually not a bad thing to be, and I hope you are too. WCBN FM Ann Arbor is the place... Time to face the music in just a moment. Arbel will help you to do that. Tune in next week, Thursday, 6.30, for Pandora's Lunchbox. Let's go back to the Louie Louie well here and hear a little bit more. Louie Louie. WCBN FM Ann Arbor, 88.3. 7 o'clock, time for Face the Music. 
before we get to uh, close to an hour of pretty much mostly rinky-dink foxtrots, we have the national anthem for you, performed by Whistling Jack Smith. I was Kaiser Bill's Batman. If it wasn't for Mike Perini, I wouldn't have this on Compact Disc. <laughs> 